0: As you watch that video, be honest, which one identified with the person on the left? Go, come on, be honest. Who identified with the person on the left? All right, how many identified with the person on the right? Yeah, that's what I thought. How many know you're going too fast to enjoy the blessings of God? How many know that?
1: That was him on the right. He was Instagramming the whole time and texting and tweeting. That's why he's only his feet, right? but See, i was i was the one on the left i was just enjoying everything cuz i don't even have my phone out no
0: that's not you those feet are not your feet oh. and uh,
1: <laughs> i guess they were guys feet so they couldn't have been me so
0: we are but i do identify with the person on the right i feel like i'm all the time so busy going all the time and trying to capture this like oh i could get that out could do that and it's like slow down enjoy the moment and i hope you're getting that in the series butterfly blessings where we're looking at the art of slowing down, slowing down enough to get the blessings of God. And as we uh, wrap up this series, uh, how many have enjoyed having Becca here with us in this series? Come on, one more time.
1: This is my last, my last time for a long time. So. Last time
0: for a long time? Yes. And uh, it's good to have her up here. You know, this is way outside her comfort zone. And uh, a lot of you have enjoyed it because she's giving all the dirt on me. How many enjoy that, right? Yes. Yeah, I That's some... my
1: job. It's fun. i got to have a little dirt on you.
0: I had somebody say, we don't even want you next week. We just want her. So, just so they
1: can get the inside scoop.
0: So just to let you know, next week we are doing something, and I hope this catches your interest. Um, next week we are going to set what I believe should be a Guinness World Record, all right? So at church, we are going to set what I believe should be a Guinness World Record, and you should be here uh, for service next week so you can be part of that, all right? So I hope that piqued your interest. Did it work? Okay. Sure, you wait right. to do
1: the World Record when I'm not doing it anymore. What's up with that?
0: Hun, you you've been a great help. Let's move on. All right, okay. no. Uh, take your seat. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. How many know I'm still paying for that one, right? Uh-huh. For those of you who don't know, all right. <laughs> so we, we were looking at uh, butterfly blessings, and the whole concept uh, that God has given me as we were preparing for our sabbatical uh, was to realize that there are blessings in life that will just rest on you. They will land on you. You can't chase them. They will land on you, and you have to let them catch up with you, if you will. And uh, it's not just um, the slowing down blessings, but I believe this, the blessings of Jesus Christ are yours if you will let them come to you. I believe that. I believe many of you are striving for the blessings of God. You're chasing after them, trying to get them and chase them and work for them. And and I hope at the end of this service, you'll respond and you'll say, I don't need to work. I don't need to strive. I don't need to run after, but I can receive what God wants to freely give me. It's the blessings of God, and we need to let them rest on us. Now, uh, before we look at the symbolism, and as we uh, wrap up this series, uh, I just want to read a couple scriptures that we've used in this. Uh, Rest is important. I know some of us type A's, we feel guilty for that, but rest is okay. And when Jesus had sent his disciples out, uh, they came back to him, they were talking, they were sharing all the good things. This is what he said, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves, to a quiet place, and get some rest. Rest is okay. It's a good thing to get when you're busy doing the work of the Lord. It's okay to have rest. And then in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's going to be important later on in this sermon. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's one more, Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth.
1: And in, one more in Psalms 62, verse 5. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. I love that. And so as we're looking at this margin, um, we've said we read this book called Margin by Dr. Um, Richard Swenson, and it was an amazing book. I'd highly recommend it. And in there he talks about... Um, this margin of time. How do we gain back more margin in our time? And so a few things we can do um, is the first one is we always need to expect the unexpected, right? How many of you know that when you set out to do something, it's always gonna either take longer or be harder or more expensive than you think? And in our house, my channel of choice is HGTV, home and garden television. It's on
0: all the time, I'm just saying. We'll talk about that later.
1: Okay. So anyways, I love to watch all the shows. And one of my favorite shows is called Property Brothers. And they have these two brothers on where they remodel homes. And <laughs> and I love it because every time they go in to remodel, they start tearing down the walls, right? And what do they find? Oh, there's water damage. We didn't expect that. Or, oh, we have to move all the electrical work. Um, yep. So every time they go in they're finding something that they didn't expect, right? And it's going to take longer and cost more than you think. But somehow, miraculously, on this show, Property Brothers, they always end up on time and on budget. I'm like, how does that work?
0: Because it's not real. Because it's it's TV. TV, Right?
1: Right. Yes. It's it's
0: not real life. How many know it's always more expensive, right? It's always.
1: So expect the unexpected. Next thing you can do is you have to learn to say no. Now, I know every day you may have like 15 things you need to do that day but you can only have time for 10 of them, right? So that means you need to say no to five things, which is not rocket science, it's more like kindergarten math, right? You can only do 10, so that five things you have to say no. And it's a super hard thing to say no, but um, I love a quote where it said, no is a complete sentence. So you don't have to explain it, you don't have to expound. you can just say no, that is a complete sentence right there. I
0: would just interject this. Um, If you can only do 10 of the 15, you need to do the 10 that are the important things and the things that matter. Um, So many times people say no to the things that are important and they say yes to the unimportant. And I can't tell you how many times we need help at church. We're like, can you help? No, I have to say no, I need margin. You know, can you lead a life group? No, I can't, I, I need margin. And so you need to say no to the wrong things and say yes to the right things when you learn to say no.
1: You also need to turn off the television. I know I touched on this last week when I said, you know, turn the TV off. It's just kind of that background noise always so you're not being in tune to God's voice. But in this aspect, I'm saying turn off the television because it's the biggest time stealer that we have. They have done studies that say that an um, an average person will gain 20 to 30 hours per week if they did not have the television on. So... That's pretty amazing. And uh, we found this quote by Billy Graham. When they asked him, what would you do over in your life? If you could do one thing over, what would you do? He said, I would watch less TV. I mean, that's Billy Graham.
0: I mean, how many are totally convicted by that?
1: I didn't even know he watched TV. I mean,
0: mean, I'm I'm thinking, like, seriously, the guy, I, I just, he's like, I would watch less TV. And I'm thinking, how much TV did he watch? Like, TV wasn't even invented until he was like 40. So I was trying to, I'm just saying. I felt so guilty when I, when I heard that one.
1: Yes. Okay, another thing we can do.
0: I we, love Billy Graham, by the way. Yes. He led me to the Lord when I was seven, so I love
1: him. Yes, he's amazing. We can practice simplicity and contentment. How many of you know the more things you have, the more time they take, the more you have to clean them and paint them and play with them and store them and pay for them, right? So don't let your possessions own you. Um, but be content with what you have. Uh, another thing we need to turn off our technology—not just our TVs, but our phones and our laptops and our computers and all of that. We, we um, were on
0: a date the other day, and well, it wasn't a date. We walked was, four miles. We walked to um, Starbucks, and it's two miles, and then we reward ourselves with Starbucks. And then we walk home. And we were on this walk, and it's supposed to be our time together. And I'm, like, Instagramming. It's really comical.
1: And, we're walking down the street, and he's, like, t- tweeting and Instagramming and texting. And I'm, like, walking. Hmm. It, it's so funny. I mean, if people walk by, they'd be like, wow, is he, he's probably going to trip because he's just always on his phone as he's walking. And she's like, will
0: you turn it off? We don't need to know about everybody else's world of Twitter right now. Right now, it's our time. We're on a walk. And i got to say, I'm guilty. I need to learn. To turn off the technology, even at uh, Culver's. The yeah, other day. even
1: when we're out with our family, I'm sure some of you can relate to this. We we were sitting there waiting for our food, and I look over, and all four of us are literally heads planted into the iPhones, right? And so I think we need someone in each family to stand up, and which is me and my family, and say, "Put the phones away, right? Okay, it's a no phone zone right here. So we're gonna actually look at each other in the face, That's and good. talk about our That's wonderful good. day. So. Have, designate someone in your family to put the phones away. So turn off the technology. Uh, enjoy anticipation. I think when we get so busy and we have no margin in our time, we don't have time to enjoy the things that may be coming up, maybe a fun vacation or something that we've planned with our kids. And we don't even enjoy that anticipation. You know, count down the days and put a check on the calendar and ask your kids, what are you excited about? But If we're so busy, we don't even think like, oh, I'll just think about that when that gets here. And you don't enjoy that anticipation. Then another thing you can do is just remember all the great memories from that trip or that time. You know, tell the stories. Put the pictures around your house in a frame and just talk about um, what you're doing together. And you don't always have to do a lot. You can do a little and remember a lot. I love that. So. Spend time um, anticipating and enjoying. Um, this is one of my favorite ones. This is for the Type A personalities in your life. Stand in line.
0: It's just not going to work. Standing a
1: long line. That's I, I'm for the you. guy
0: that gets to the place and I am going crazy. I'm just looking for the shortest line at the grocery store. I'm looking for the shortest line at the airport. Our with favorite TSA. is the
1: airport. You it's know. actually our family joke because we get to to the security line, and he is just, like, analyzing, okay, which one's shorter, which one's shorter, which one shorter. And I'm like, like, they have
0: a stroller, don't go that yeah. line. he's like, you which know? one
1: like, Which one is the super he, advanced traveler line? I need to did. get in that line. And the boys and I, we just kind of giggle because he is just so determined. And then, of course, we get in the line that all of it takes longer. He's like, look at, we would have been done by now if we would have gone in that line. And we're just like, chill, it's not a problem. We're all good, we're going to make our flight. But he's just like, I got to, and then the worst, I have to just tell him, it's my last week. I got a dish. Okay, traffic is his worst. I'm just saying, he cannot handle sitting in traffic. It's a good thing we live 10 minutes from the church because he cannot handle it. Like, we're on 494, and we're sitting there, and we're stuck. And I'm just like, you know, reading a book or whatever. And he's just like, well, he's the guy that, that'll pull over on the side. Like, what is going on up there? Why are we not moving? How many do
0: that? How many do that? You kind of like just go to the left to get a look? I'm like, it's not going to help. Back just get a look, come back, complain a little more. I'm just saying, I do that.
1: Yeah. He, traffic, not good. Just saying. Um, Yeah. So another thing we can do is we can create buffer zones in our schedule. I know a lot of times we'll maybe schedule meetings like on the hour or whatever, but just leave some time in there, whether it's five or 10 minutes even to just Take a deep breath, get something to drink, maybe call your spouse, see how their day is going, but just leave a little, little buffer in there. And then the final thing is just be available. I know when we schedule ourselves out so tight, we're not available when people need us or when something comes up. We don't take that time to let God interrupt us, maybe with what he has for us in our day. So that's a really, really um, important thing, be available, because life is a journey, it's not a race right? We're all on a journey, and we don't have to sprint. So do yourself a favor and slow down.
0: So those are good practical things, and we want to give one more, uh, just, well, actually two more practical insights um, into slowing down, getting the margin. Then we're going to look at the symbolism of the Sabbath, so we will get there. But um, we went on our sabbatical, and again, this is where this whole series came from. And uh, the staff asked us this week, we had our all-staff meeting, they said, what did you learn on your sabbatical? And for those of you that don't know, we took the month of June off, and we were completely away from church. We were just uh, just downtime and enjoying just that rest. And uh, while we were there, I felt like God clearly spoke to me, engage the future, keep going." And he reminded me of the prophecy that we had that was run downhill. Some will say you've done enough, but I say keep doing more. There's more people. Keep going. So I was like, okay, we're going to engage the future. We're going to keep doing this. It's good. I'm getting the rest now. But the other thing that I really feel that God spoke to me, and I share this with the staff, was that when we were away, God showed us that it's not all about us. God showed us that it's not all about us. And people will say, you know, how do you stay humble as the church is growing and uh, all these great things are happening and you're on this list and that list? How do you stay humble? And I will say this, by going on a sabbatical, God reminded us like, hey, I'm the one building the church, not you. And while we were gone, the attendance still was strong. It was going up. Matter of fact, while we were gone, giving went up, okay? And God's like, see, I've got it under control, It's okay, I'm the one that's building the church, not you. And I think when pastors will do that and they will take a sabbatical and they will get away, it actually brings humility into your life. It actually causes you to realize that you are not super pastors. Because one of the temptations for us, if we are go, 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 we start to think that it's all based on us, and we start to think that almost like we are the Holy Spirit. How many know what I'm talking about? We are the one that needs to bring conviction. We are the one that needs to bring comfort. We are the one that needs to do that. And God's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Take a rest, sit down for a while, and realize I'm the one. I'm the one building my church, and I use all sorts of people I have a body that when it works together and everyone uses their gifts, that's what the Apostle Paul says, when everyone's using their gifts, it comes together in the right way and everyone is free to use those gifts. It's not all about you. You just play a part of it. And so I think that this is something that pastors have to listen to and those that just keep working. And we have to realize ministry is never done. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do enjoy painting even. I like enjoying painting some of the rooms around our house my house. Okay. Just to make that clear. My house. Uh, I like enjoying painting my house. And uh, house. I, when, we, when we do that... Our house. Yes. I was just saying it so people didn't recruit me. I'm just saying, okay? Oh, not their Got house, it. but our house. Our house. house. Yes. Okay. okay. And I like that because...
1: <laughs> I'm keeping you on task with you. your weird. Thank uh, you.
0: Thank you. Our kids. Our house. Your money. All right. Anyways. All right. <laughs> okay. all right. That's good. But, Ministry is never done, but when I finish and I start a room and paint it, then it's done. I can stand back and go, done, but ministry is never done. There will always be more ministry. And one of our friends, a dear friend, he and his wife were just placed on a forced sabbatical. Uh, They announced it to their church last week because they've just burned out, and the local paper carried it in their area, and I wanted to say this. It said, uh, after 20 years of uninterrupted outreach to hurting people, our pastor has realized he now needs healing. And our pastor friend went on to say this. He said, I have not felt myself spiritually, physically, or emotionally for several months now, and we need to step away. And we have intentionally put things in there so that we don't have uninterrupted service. But we realize it's not about us. It's about a church that all of us have our part to play. And we pray for our pastor friend and his wife, and we say we thank God for a church and elders that have put these things into place So that we can understand it's not about us. We can live in humility.
1: And we placed our sabbatical there so we could develop that, you know, that margin, that rest, and that produce that humility out of that. And I just want to read in Leviticus 23, a couple verses, 31 and 32. It says, You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls. On the ninth of the month at evening, from evening until evening, you shall keep your Sabbath.
0: I love that. I love that translation. It says, you will humble your souls. And I think that's what, taking your day of rest, taking that time to say, God, I will honor you. I'll be at the place of worship. God, I'll, I'll take a day to slow down. I'll do this. When we do that, we humble our soul And we realize it's all about Him. Now, uh, one last very practical thing. Again, we've shared so many things, but I think we need these things. I think we live in a a day and age and a culture that is go, go, go. And I want to just say that so many of us have excellence in some areas and we fail in others, and we're out of balance. And I think when we rest, when we take a Sabbath rest, when we stop and slow down and evaluate our life, we can get those things into order. And so I wanna show you two slides. The first one here, go ahead and throw this up here. It shows that the career is super strong. And a lot of people will devote their lives to a career, to being there and never, ever, ever, ever using their vacation even, or their sick days. There's other people that have education, they go after it. And you'll notice that family on this chart is at a deficit. A lot of people will sacrifice their family to chase after other things. You'll see emotions are being barely addressed church is suffering. It's like when we can make it, we will, but it's not a priority. Nutrition doesn't reach that thing. We're, we're so busy, we eat too much fast food. We don't serve people or, or we do start to serve, but then all of a sudden exercise. We're like, man, we got to exercise. And some people are at the gym all the time. Rest doesn't get the proper place. And then community, you see, you have some friends. And for a lot of people, you'll, you identify with that. You'll have excellence in some areas and you'll suffer in others. And I believe that if you'll take a day of rest, I believe this. If you'll take a day of rest, if you'll take a time to say it's not about me, and you do that, as you take that day of rest, what happens is God starts to speak to you to put the other areas in proper margin. And you'll notice that you'll take away from some, and you'll get the others back to where they need to be, and your life could look like this chart. You'll see that the career has come down, that education has come down, family has gone up, emotions has gone up, church involvement has gone up, nutrition, service, exercise has come down, rest has gone up, your free time with others in that community, it's gone down a little bit, but you've started to restore balance to your life. And I believe God is speaking to some people, you need to restore balance to your life. Mark chapter 8 would be to those that are workaholics or chasing after the awards in life, but not after the things that are important. He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And can I speak to you, what good is it to gain the whole world and all the promotions in the world, but lose your family? What good is it to, to finally crash after 20 years and then you have to be in the pit crew and, and getting restored when, when you could have stayed strong and had that example of moving forward? We need to take the rest that we need so that we can say, God, put those things in proper balance. Put those things there. You don't want to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. I remember talking to one workaholic. I remember saying, that's great. You're going to win all the awards at work, but guess what? Nobody's showing up to your funeral. You've lost your family. You have no friends. There is no church. You have a career, but they're not showing up to your funeral. Live a life for things that matter. Get that balance in. And I believe that taking that rest will restore that balance.
1: And just to clarify again, there's no set day. I mean, it doesn't have to be Saturday or Sunday. It can be whenever, because we're under grace. So what's more important is just to get that rhythm in there, like we talked about before, that six on and one off. That rhythm is so important, just that principle. And um, it says in Colossians two sixteen 16 and 17, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ.
0: Now, I love that scripture, and it's going to get us into the deeper things, okay? So stick with me in this teaching here. Um, It's saying that you don't have to worry about the days. You don't have to worry about these festivals. We're going to observe a day of rest, and it's a good thing. us to do this, but we're not going to be bound by Saturday or Sunday. And he said, all these things, if you understand this, all these things are just a shadow of what's going to come in Jesus Christ. All of these things, when you look at the Sabbath, it's just a shadow of the perfect rest in Jesus Christ. And there's some symbolism in Hebrews chapter four, and I'm just going to go backwards for just a minute. In Genesis, when God created the Sabbath, he works Six days, and then he takes a Sabbath. It was saying, we are in perfect relationship, and you are here to be in relationship with me, Adam and Eve. Mankind, you are in relationship with me, and there will be a day that we stop and we remember this because God was saying, I've done all the work, and now you can rest in this perfect relationship. But when sin entered the world, that perfect relationship was broken, but the Sabbath was still there, and it was a shadow, it was a symbol, and it was reminding them of a restored relationship that would only come through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was saying in Colossians. He's saying it's coming through Jesus. This, this Sabbath is just a shadow of God's done all the work, and you can rest in the complete work of God. Okay, so he's saying that. So there was also another example in Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, there was an example, a symbolism of resting in the promised land. Now again, you may not understand this, but as we hear this text, you'll understand that there was a symbolism of people resting in the promised land.
1: So here it is. We finally got to Hebrews 4, verses 8 through 10. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience.
0: Okay, so I want you to understand the Sabbath was a symbol of what God was doing. He was saying, I understand that there's this relationship and and it's symbolic of a day when this relationship is going to be restored. Okay, as as the writer of Hebrews is writing here, we got to back up for just a moment. He says, Joshua entered these people into the promised land. You got to understand Let me back up. The children of Israel were in Egypt. They were slaves. That was not God's plan for them. They were there to bring redemption. They were there to bring the message of good news that God wanted a relationship with them, with the whole world. They were to be his people, to show his greatness throughout the world, but they were in slavery and in that slavery, God sends a deliverer, and that deliverer is Moses. And he goes and says to Pharaoh, let the people go, he won't, so God sends the plagues. And in and, and the whole way through this, God is doing all the work to deliver these people. They get out of Egypt. God delivers them out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea. They're trapped. What happens? God does the work. God parts the sea. They're able to walk through. God defeats their enemies. They're hungry. They need food. God says, I will provide for you. I'm providing everything you need. You don't even have to have faith. I'm taking care of everything you need. And they get to the edge of the promised land, and this is important. As they get to the edge of the promised land, they send forth 12 spies to go check out the promised land. This promised land is symbolic again of God restoring this relationship in a way. It's this rest that he wants for them. He says, when you get out of this area and you get into the land that I promised you, you're gonna enjoy rest. You're gonna enjoy the promise that I have for you. And they get to the edge of this and all God asks for them to do is believe in faith that they can take the land that he will fight for them, that his ways are higher than theirs. And even though there's an enemy there that's occupying this land, he says, I just want you to have the faith to believe that I'll take care of you. So they send 12 spies in. And if you don't know the story, they send 12 spies in, 10 of them come back and they say, those guys are too big, we can't do it. We can't do it. They thought it all rested in them. And God was trying to teach them, it rests in me. It rests in me. You have to have faith that I will get you into the promise. It's not your efforts anyways. I just need you to receive what I want to bless you with. Okay, so if you'll receive it and you'll by faith step out, you'll see that I'm going to fight for you, and it's not about you anyways. But the people wouldn't believe it. They couldn't grab hold of faith. And God was saying, I've done everything for you. I have brought you to the edge of the Jordan. All you have to do is believe in faith and possess it and move forward, and it's yours. And they missed out. The people missed out because they doubted. But Joshua and Caleb didn't because they said, we know that it's God that does all the work. He's just working through us. We get to possess the promises of God because he does all the heavy lifting. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, this rest is just like resting in Jesus. And he's saying, just like the Sabbath was saying, God did all the work and then he rested and we can have that peace. And just like the promised land was saying, God did all the work to get us out of slavery and then we can rest in the promised land. The writer of Hebrews is getting excited and he's saying, Jesus has done all the work. Jesus has done everything you need to be forgiven. You don't have to strive. Your good deeds don't have to outweigh your bad deeds. You don't have to work your way into heaven. Jesus has done everything, and he's perfect. He's like a perfect Sabbath, and as you give your life to Jesus Christ, you enter into the true rest that God has for your soul. You enter into the peace that God has for you. How many know that maybe some of you have found Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, but it took you a long time to find him, and you were trying good deeds, and you were trying works, and you were trying efforts, and you thought, boy, if I say enough of these prayers, and if I do enough of these good deeds, hopefully God will be happy, and if I give enough money, maybe God will be happy, maybe, and you were trying to work, but then when you found out it was grace, then when you found out it was grace, you found out Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all, and if you will have faith to believe in the grace that he wants to give you, you get to enter into that rest. And how many know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, your soul was at rest. You no longer were striving. You you don't have to worry if you've entered into eternal life because you know that you know you have the peace of God. It's filled your heart, and you've entered into that perfect rest that's there. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. Jesus fulfilled everything, and he's saying, this is the rest that I wanted you guys to be in. That Sabbath day rest, God did all the work so they could have rest. God did all the work and freedom so they could enter into the promised land rest. And Jesus has done all the work so you can enter into the rest. It's not by works. It's an amazing thing. And so when we rest, when you have a day off, when you have a day off, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be saying, thank you, God, for grace. It should be a day of celebrating grace. It should be a day of saying, thank you, God, that you forgave. You did all the work all i did is the receiving and you did all the work and by faith i received it and god i move forward in that grace it's an amazing thing but if it's not you and it's not you you're saying i don't have that relationship i don't understand the grace i'm one of those strivers pastor i'm one of those strivers i've i've tried to work my way in and now you're telling me this rest that's available this peace that's available it's there it's a free gift And here at all of our campuses, we're going to give an opportunity for everyone to respond. And I ask that you go ahead and bow your heads and close your
1: eyes here and at all of our campuses.